it does help reduce inequality. And this is a very important and unexplored, underappreciated function of inflation. But it becomes a real problem when it accelerates badly. Hello, this is the Weekly Tradecast, a podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. For the next two weeks, we're looking at inflation as everyone feels the pinch of rising prices. This week, we're talking about what inflation is, why we need it, and when it becomes too much. These days, inflation is high as disruptions from the pandemic and the war in Ukraine drive a global cost of living crisis. When food, fuel, electricity and almost everything else is more expensive, we see our paychecks buying less and our savings eroded. For governments and people in developing countries, even basic goods can become unaffordable. To walk us through the good, the bad and the ugly of inflation, I'm joined now by Jerome Capaldo, an economist in UNCTAD's Globalization and Development Strategies Division. Born in Rome, Jerome has been at the UN for 15 years, is an avid skier and likes country music. Welcome to the show, Jerome. So tell me, what is inflation and why do we need it? Well, inflation, the dry definition, inflation is the continuous increase of the majority of prices in the economy. It's not a one-off increase, and it's not an increase of just a few goods, but it's when this is a generalized phenomenon. Now, it happens because of one root cause, and that is because there is a competition in, in every economy. There is a competition for income. The people that are contributing to producing something at some point will want to try and get a larger cut of the final revenue that is generated by selling that product. And so, for example, if you take a car manufacturer, uh, you might find that at one day their energy suppliers are going to ask for higher prices. And when that happens, the owners of the factories face two choices. They can decide to take a cut on their profit to pay for the higher energy price, or they can try and pass that extra cost onto the final price to the consumers who eventually buy the cars. But then the workers are going to face higher prices for energy at home as well, and they're, they're going to try and get a higher salary. And again, this put, puts the owners of the factory before the choice of passing through the price increase or taking a cut on profits. And so you've got profits and wages and other inputs whose suppliers end up battling with each other to get a leg up. How and when does it go from good to bad to ugly? It's very important to start with when inflation is good, because inflation is a manifestation of something very, very healthy in the economy. When there is this dynamic between people who, who try and get a larger cut of total income, that's because this relationships between workers and, and profit earners and other suppliers evolve because the economy evolves as well. So for example, you have sectors that become more important over time and they command a higher price. So as a result of this evolution, prices end up increasing uh, mostly. Now, when they increase a little, that is not a big problem. And in fact, it might not be a problem at all. Sometimes it does help with containing the burden of debt. It does help reduce inequality. And this is a very important and unexplored, underappreciated function of inflation. But 
it becomes a real problem when it accelerates badly. And inflation of five or six, seven percent in developed countries is sustainable. Inflation of 10, 20 percent in developing mm. countries is just as sustainable. But when we got to 100 percent, we get to 3,000, 7,000 percent, that becomes a real issue. In the modern era, we have come to know inflation in Germany, in the Weimar Republic in the 1920s. And the the, the fundamental piece of information here to remember is that in 1922, a loaf of bread cost 160 Deutschmarks. A year later, it cost 260 billion Deutschmarks. So that clearly brought major disruption in the economy, and it probably had a responsibility in ushering in an era of political chaos. I think the part that is very important to, to realize is that a major problem that we're facing today is inequality. Now, Inflation has a role in reducing inequality. And unfortunately, the part, the majority of the debate today is about how to reduce inflation and not so much how to use inflation as an instrument to reduce inequality. I think about a year ago, we were having this conversation about inflation. So what about now? What has changed? Compared to a year ago, not much has changed in, in terms of the causes and the factors, especially in developed economies, has little to do with the war in Ukraine. And it really started about six months before when the prices of energy and food started taking off. They had not grown in the early phase of the pandemic, but then as the global economy started to recover, critical prices started increasing much above their levels of the years prior. These factors have continued to play out, but in the last year, more or less, they have abated very much. Those prices, those trigger factors, food and energy have slowed. And now, now we face levels of, of food and energy prices that are at the level of the end of 2021. The issue, though, is that it takes a while for these factors to register with all the other prices. Because what happened is that energy and food are used in the production and in the life of everyone and everything. And so as those prices increased, everyone else's prices had to increase. And now everyone has to adjust. For example, wages have not increased very much. And one can only hope that they will increase a little bit so that real wages, the people's purchasing power, can, can catch up uh, a little bit. So in this sense, inflation hasn't stopped, but it has lowered very much. And there is a bit of a statistical smoke there in our faces because as long as we continue to measure inflation compared to a year ago or a year and a half ago, then of course those rates are very high. But when we look at inflation on a month-by-month -month basis, which is not really done in the press, then we see that inflation has very much slowed. What about developing countries where people already spend much of their money on just the basic necessities of life? How are they coping and how much longer can they afford these high prices? Well, that is um, a, a much more serious and problematic issue than the one that developed countries are facing. The logic of inflation is the same for developing and developed countries. When that factor is a strategic one, for example, energy, real estate, or labor, then in inflation can be triggered. Now, in developing countries, that factor is very often foreign currency because foreign currency is scarce and it's very much necessary to acquire not just the commodities that people want to consume, but also the factor of productions that they need to run their economies. And unfortunately, differently from many other commodities, foreign currency is tremendously variable. It's, it fluctuates very quickly in price. 
So that puts very high pressure and sudden pressure on those economies and their governments. Food prices, although they have come down very much, there is still a big cause for concern because also the price of some basic foodstuffs like grains and cereals has come down. But there is a whole value chain that's built on those whose prices have kept catching up. And they immediately threaten people's livelihood. So in that case, the concern has a whole different level of urgency. And it's not just the issue of a social strife that we might observe in other countries. And unfortunately, the problem there is that because inflation is often generated by prices that are out of the control of the policy authorities because they are largely imported prices, then the room for maneuver that authorities have is very little. What they can do is to adopt stabilization packages that constrain the ability of some people to set certain prices, but that is very often disruptive and it very often generates sacrifices on the part of some. And very often that has fallen in the past on labor. So there's pain. What we do know is that for developing countries, there's a lot that multilateral system that the community of states can do, and that is to put the brakes on the ability of large multinational corporations who really effectively set energy and food prices to put the brakes on their abilities to do so unrestrained. And also, we can decide to do what we've refused to do for now many decades, and that is to adopt a, a mechanism that will effectively allow world's governments to stabilize exchange rates so that they will not run wild and generate problems for everybody, especially developing countries. All these things we can do, but of course, they do require understanding and negotiation on the parts of many. And that's not something that happens easily. Well, we're going to stop it here for now, Jeronim. For more, join us for part two next week when UNCTAD economist Jeronim Capaldo shares more strategies and solutions to keep inflation as a positive force in the economy rather than a damaging one. Tune into the weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Thomas in Geneva. Goodbye for now.